Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. While you're enjoying this podcast, please share it out on your social media and also be sure to like the podcast on the service of your choice. This week, we have a good friend of mine, Dustin Reese from Hogline in Minnesota. Dustin has twice reserved the American Royal and this year got to participate in the Houston Livestock and Rodeo Show. So please join me in welcoming Dustin Reese. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on BarbecueData.com. All righty. Brand new barbecue season, and we're here with the pitmaster from Hogline Barbecue, most recently reserve grand champion at the American Royal Open, uh, a multitude of other awards, and just got back from cooking the Houston Livestock and Radio Show, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Was, welcome uh, to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me on. I've just joining a distinguished list of pitmasters that you've uh, interviewed, and I have to say I'm flattered and, uh, and humbled that you'd uh, um, have me on. So. Oh, absolutely. You're one of the uh, better people in barbecue, and I think you, you're a lot of fun. Every time we see each other, which isn't often, though, we always have a good time. <laughs> no, we have geography that gets in the way. Otherwise, we'd see each other a heck of a lot, lot more. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so... I'm trying to think of the first time that we met, and I want to say it was at the Royal. Uh, it probably was. Well, actually, I'm going to bring that back. I think the first time that we really, really formally met was Masters in May 2018 when they did the uh, the Barbecue League came up there. Oh, and that's right. We had We cooked in a swamp that weekend. You flew in, and we came over with our trailer. And stood there in uh, rain boots the entire weekend. That was probably one of the, if not the the wettest contest I've ever done, probably the second wettest. It was, um, and the first time I cooked on a Jambo. First time you cooked on a Jambo, correct. So borrowed equipment, wasn't it? No, it was actually my pit. It was the first time, first time I ever cooked on that pit. I had, uh. I had bought it, and it was in Kansas City, and then Darren went and got it, and then we drug it up to uh, up to Wisconsin, and that was the first time I ever cooked on it. Yep. Oh, awesome! I did not know that story. I thought it was borrowed. Well, then I left it. I left it up there in Wisconsin, and uh, <laughs> I left it with. Um, oh my gosh! Gosh. Tim Shop's uh, son-in-law, I believe. Okay, yep. And <laughs> then somebody asked me if they could borrow it for a cookout, and they did, and I let them. And I come back, and they had cooked a bunch of hamburgers and stuff on it, and it was just an absolute disaster <laughs> inside. Oh. Yeah, good that was a good time. some of that Wisconsin whitefish on that. Otherwise, uh, pressure washing it. Right, that might have been my problem with my scores up in Wisconsin. 
but (laughs) 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 you never know. You never know. So tell me the story. Tell me the origin of the dollar bet on brisket. Absolutely. So the dollar bet came around fall of 2017. Um, We had just come off of reserve grand champing the invitational at the American Royal. And I believe Darren was looking to get in one more contest before he went down to cook the Jack Daniels. And we met in Union Grove, Wisconsin, which is the best of the Midwest barbecue cook-off. If you haven't been there, fabulous, um, fabulous contest. They do a great job down there. But uh, that day I was feeling cocky that weekend. um, And I like to talk a little bit of smack to Darren every now and then. And we went and met him or met up down there, went to dinner that night. And the next day I, you know, going through my standard cook, cooking my um, brisket on my can. Darren went through his standard cook uh, and my brisket just wasn't giving up the ghost. You know, it wasn't, wasn't going tender on me. And I looked at Mary and said, I'm going to wait until we get done with chicken. And then I'll go back and pull that brisket off. Well, we got done with our chicken turn and, and it left my mind. Finally, we turned in ribs and I looked out at the cooker and I said, I still got that brisket on the can. So run out, grab it, bring it, invent it quick, throw it in the Cambro, and you're going, I just messed brisket up. I messed up the day, you know, we're, we're sunk and telling Darren the story right afterwards. And Darren goes and says, gosh, you know what? My brisket, I turned it in. I said, My, mine was loose as heck, loose as heck, you know, it, it, overcooked and loose. And he's like, mine was just too tight, stuff like that. He goes, you want to bet a dollar? He goes, you want to bet on brisket today? He goes, what should we bet on brisket? I said, you've got an old bet that you used to do with an old team called Monkey's Uncles from Minnesota. I was like, you guys bet a dollar on pork butt every contest you cook against each other. Let's bet a dollar on it. So he's went, he said, that sounds like a good idea. Anyway, so we get to awards. And we got the dollar bet. We won pork and I'm sitting there walking back and I'm like, no need to worry about brisket. All of a sudden it calls that a fourth place brisket. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is that? I go walking up with my dollar. Cause I know darn well, the goat is right on my behind and they call him a third place brisket. So that was my first dollar I ever bought. Lost to Darren Worth cooking brisket. <laughs> We've had a lot of good times with that ever since. It's a uh, it's a great story. I was actually asked to deliver a dollar at one point. Uh, oh, that's right. You were. I had to have you do that at the Royal when I we were on our way back and uh, and could not uh, attend dinner that evening. You were like, "Here, will you give this to Darren?" And I'm like, uh, "What a dollar? Okay, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. It's it's a great bet. We we've, we've done a lot. There's been a lot of additional hijinks that have come from that bet. And that type of thing. A lot of I, you name it. We we've done everything. He's balled it up and thrown it in the trash. I've sat there and stomped on it right in front of him at 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 the um, <laughs> you know watching him calling him watching him get first place brisket and winning grand champion. I'm up there you know pushing the dollar into the mud and stuff like that. And so that's funny. That's funny. So so you've reserved the royal twice. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, 2017 in the Invitational, and then 2020, 2021 in the uh, Open. Man, that's great. And it's great that 
it's great that you got to go cook Houston this year. Um, I think it's kind of odd that Travis didn't go, uh, Travis Duffy. Um, but I'm glad that you got to go and I was supposed to be there with you. <laughs> we we had had that conversation. Yes. We had then, had uh, that. Yeah. Then yeah. I got COVID and it, it left my brain and Correct. I didn't, I did not remember until I believe you had landed in Houston and I had called Blaine Hunter and he's like, well, I got Dustin's credentials right here and your name's in here. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, I completely funny story forgot that about was I had to, uh, you know, I did not know how big of a, per, I'm going to say production or, or event this is. You know, I've been told, but you don't know until you experience it. And, you know, the guy that uh, was like our ambassador that, you know, got us to Champions Row and all the other stuff. He needed all this information from us. And he's just like, hey, I need to know your team and stuff like that. And on a wing in a prayer, I'm just like, I, nobody's confirmed anything. I just sent him names of people who might come. So we had a lot of <laughs> credentials that weekend. Uh, you were credentialed. Uh, Justin McGlon was credentialed. Uh, <laughs> so we had, uh, Blaine was actually credentialed for my team and ended up cooking with somebody else. So Wow, that's funny. I Well, I totally regret and apologize not being able to make that. And, uh, Cause it looks like a great time and you know, it's considered a major. It's one of the top things you can cook. So I'm really glad that you got to go do it. It was, it was, I told this to Mary, I, when, when we got, by the way, Mary, my wife, um, I told this to her when we got done, I said, you know, we got our butts kicked down here. We didn't know the game. It's totally different. Uh, totally different set of rules and that type of thing um, with what goes on. But I said, if we can happen to qualify again, we are going back because it was that much fun. It was that cool of an event, and they do a great job down there. That's awesome, and, and that's the real reason we do this, right? I mean, if you're not having fun doing this, then there's no reason to do it, and that's you know something that a lot of people have said, And uh, but some people, I think, continue to do this when it's not fun anymore for them, and I vowed not to be one of those people. You know, right. as long as it's fun, I'm going to do it. So, right. I, the one thing that I love about it is going out and seeing my friends and, you know, meeting some new people along the way and stuff. Um, when, when it gets to be a grind, I'll probably end up stopping too. There's times that, you know, after you get done with contest number 20, you know, for a year, it's like, this is a grind and you're kind of owly and stuff. But I find myself right now, I mean, we just, had our first 50 degree day today here in Minnesota. I'm looking outside, almost all the snow is gone. The sun's kind of shining and it's going to be ready. It's going to be time to get back out there and go see some people, catch up on what happened last over the winter, meet some new friends and cook some food, have some fun. Maybe hear your name once or twice. That's about it. Absolutely. One of the things that has always struck me in being around you, the contest that we've been together is that you're not a, you're not a, a watcher. You don't watch what other people do and let that affect you. You have your own game and your own confidence. Where does that confidence in cooking come from? That's a good question. I suppose it probably comes from how I started in cook. I, I've been cooking for ever, uh, for a long, long time. I learned how to cook from my mother um, back when I would, you know, she taught me how to make simple things, macaroni and cheese, you know, that type, you know, when you're seven years old, you know, 
so you can make your own lunch and stuff. Um, from then, I got a job cooking for a local restaurant when I was in high school. Um, I always always enjoyed doing various things. Um, and then after I got done with college and you know moved into my own house, I I just started experimenting with things. You know, how do I make something taste better? First of all, my mother was a she was a very good baker. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, she was a mediocre cook, um, <laughs> didn't like salt, and which <laughs> ends up wrecking a lot of, uh, not wrecking, but leaving things very bland. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. So, and she grew up uh, on a farm just south of Otana, um, and, and they butchered a lot of their own uh, meat. A lot of that meat was cooked well done for various reasons, you know. And I, I've always thought that when, it, you know, why was that done and stuff? You know, they were butchering their own meat. Well, it was the safest way to, you know, um, ha- safest way to prepare meat. You know, it, it was cooked all the way through the whole thing. And steaks, when she'd made them on the grill or whatever like that, or even when my dad made them on the grill, they were cardboard tough. And I was like, I can do this better. So I got into cooking, you know, outside and stuff. Um, very simply you know, making steaks, chicken breast, that type of thing. And then I, some friends of mine from the Knights of Columbus in Otana had a Traeger. We got into, you know, cooking a few ribs, that type of stuff. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, but I think that my confidence in, in it is that I know I can do it. I've been doing it my whole life and cooking contest work it, or cooking contest isn't reinventing the wheel. It's just doing what you know how to do at home. So I right. don't let a lot of other people's the only person there is one person that, you know, can get in my head and stuff like that and make me change things. Um, and that is, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll put it to people, the one, my wife. Yeah. And number two, Jeff Vanderlindy can get in my head at times. So <laughs> that's a terrible thing to admit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> he actually made me quit cooking steak contests back in 2019 so oh wow like make me make me but suggested that i do to concentrate on barbecue and it the results had shown and stuff but right there's something to be said for that having a focus you know it's uh it's important to maintain that it's really great when we get on here and talk about how great you are but one of the things that i want to focus on is how is a failure because we all, we've all had them in barbecue contests. Do you have a favorite failure during a competition that really taught you something and set you up for success later? Yes, I do. I got a couple of them, actually. Okay, cool. All involve one other team. So um, Good, let's the, go. Let's go. So <laughs> let's the go. other team that is involved, and it all involves cooking in western Minnesota, too. It seems like I, I made my failures happen in western Minnesota. Um, the first one happened in <laughs> Redwood Falls, 2015. Um, we cooked a contest out there. Um, I think it was called Smoke on the Waterfall. It ran for a couple of years. And Sons of Butchers out of Marshall, Minnesota, um, Bill Mosel and uh, and Mike Kramer are some good friends of mine that I've met along the way. And so we neighbors at a lot of contests, especially out in Western Minnesota where they're from. Um, anyway, so Redwood Falls, I and but. Ironically, both of these involved pork, too. Um, Redwood Falls, we had started a new injection program, and it involved using half of Butcher's open pit injection 
um, as, a, as a mix with, with other um, commercially available products. Not mm-hmm. knowing or not tasting anything that day, something had changed in the co-packer for Butcher's Open Pit. The original Butcher's Open Pit was spectacular. We were using it out of the, um, out of the uh, box, mixed up straight and stuff. But I had received a new box that day and it hadn't made my switch yet. So I had used Butcher's Open Pit straight out of the box, straight formula, just like on the package. Injected my pork up, didn't taste it, didn't do anything. Get done with the pork cook, you know, rest it, bring it out, slice it, sauce it, put it in my mouth, and my mouth is on fire. <laughs> it like straight cayenne pepper, but something. I don't know what it was. It was not good pork. It was horrible. So then... <laughs> I learned whenever you open a new package of something, always taste it, always smell it. See if there's something different. Something could have went wrong at the co-packer. Whoever was measuring ingredients that day could have messed something up. So that was a learning experience for me there. By the way, pork almost came in dead ass last. Second from the bottom. That's a good... Cost me me a very good day that day. That's a good lesson, um, man. That's a great lesson because I don't know... I don't know how many people out there like even taste their injection every time just to make sure it tastes the same from week to week. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I, and I don't need to go week to week or whatever like that. Um, but I, I do go package to package. You know, if I open a new package and start something new, I taste then. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, next thing that I, uh, the, the other story, and this one here is, Maybe even a little better. Um, so I got tired of dragging my backwoods around the nation. And I thought that cooking pork on a can was going to be the answer and stuff. And, and, and it is for a lot of guys. I just have never been able to figure pork out on a can, which is funny because I mainly cook on cans. So I had borrowed a drum that was recently built from Whitewater Barbecue out in Marshall, Minnesota. Once again, the sons of butchers are my neighbors and stuff. And this one here actually involves them. I, my nephew and me cook contest and stuff, start the can up, cook pork, get it nice. It was tender, everything else and stuff. Sliced it up, sauced it up, put it in my mouth. And I said, Peyton, taste that. My, Peyton's my nephew. And he, he tastes it, he goes, what is that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and I yelled across the street, across the uh, way to Mike Kramer from Sons of Butchers. I said, come on, come on in here. And I said, go to that pan of pork there and try a piece. Goes over, grabs a piece. He, just the look on his mouth. He goes walking out. Himself, it, just look on his face when he put it in his mouth. He goes walking out of the trailer. All of a sudden, his partner, Bill Mosel, comes running in. And he goes, I'm like, what are you doing? What did he say to you? He goes, nothing. I said, I saw his face when he walked out of here. And I knew I had to come in here and see what, what, the, what the problem was. So he had a piece. <laughs> anyway, this whole can, brand new, built. I never thought to figure out. Where did the can come from when it wasn't a cooking can? What oh, was no. in it? Anything else? It tasted like I burnt Kingsford Matchlight all night long and kept adding Kingsford Matchlight to it. You know, so I kept getting that chemical smell and stuff. Yeah. And it went into the meat and it tasted like oil. Just like it had to have like it had to be like a tra- transmission fluid drum or something like that. Oh, no. Next thing I learned, 
new cooker, burn it out. So <laughs> that one there, I went up and told the rep at the contest that this pork will be dead ass last. And once again, I was wrong. We were, I think, second from the bottom on that one. But that was out of 50 teams. So that was really, really, really bad pork. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that the amount of blues hog that I dumped on it had to save something there. Wow. So yeah, those are two great ones, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just can't I have a I have a visual and I can smell it. Because I've I've smelled that smell before and it's like, oh my God. Like you cook something in there, you know. Right. Oh man, that's really it was, it was a it was a poop your pants moment for me when I tried that. I was like, this is a bad, this is a bad day. So, <laughs> so yeah, that those two taught me a lot about consistency and knowing what you're doing and knowing your plan and sticking to your plan. Right, right. Well, while we're talking about a can, you know, we spend a lot of money doing this and doing a lot of other things. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? That's a great question. First of all, I'll say, well, just the, the greatest thing ever in barbecue, just outdoor cooking in my book, other than a Weber 22 inch, you know, tripod grill, you know, yeah. is, is grill grates. I love those things, but the best competition investment I ever made was probably, Ooh, that Luke, you stumped me here. <laughs> really? Yeah, I you know I, I could I could name a couple things. Okay. First of all, well I'll say I'll put it this way for, for value, competition cooking value. Okay. In my book, if you're going to start off start cooking competition and you don't have a lot of money, you can't beat an eighteen and a half inch Weber smoking bone. Agreed. Went up for about three hundred and twenty five dollars, three fifty. And you can start cooking competition quality barbecue that day. Yep. So um, the other thing that I would have to say, and I'm not a big gadgets guy because I like to cook hands and stuff like that. I, I, I like to be involved. But as far as keeping, you know, I, I the barbecue gurus saved me a lot of time over or a lot of sleep overnight. Um, sure. Having that little stoker control on there. And letting the backwoods home overnight. Oh yeah, when I was on backwoods, those things were essential. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I used to, I used to get these cheap, like used laptops from work, and I would set it up because I had the CyberQ Dual. Okay. <laughs> and I would just, I would have it so that I could get up and track what happened throughout the night. Exactly. And uh, it's amazing that I thought that was important back in the day. <laughs> right, right. Now, I go, I go to bed now after put after I start the uh, the the um, digi queue up or whatever, and I just I go to bed. I don't even wake up. It's like I, I wait till the alarm wakes me up, and I, I don't know what the thing did all night or whatever like that. But as long as it's still lit when I get up in the morning, I know I'm good to go. We're good to go, right? Well, both of those things are they're still kind of expensive. If you yeah. had to, if you had to pick a tool or a purchase of under a hundred dollars or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue life, what would it be? You can't say Thermapen either. Oh, 
come on. <laughs> actually, actually, my third being a can cook and you being a, a jambo cook or whatever like that and stuff. Uh, Thermopen actually, I, the Thermopen is just a big poking device for me anymore. I don't even know that I've ever. I could be given a Thermopen with no batteries in it, and I'd be fine for the contest. Yeah, I just poke <laughs> at things with it now. Um, under a hundred dollars, best investment I've ever made. It could be something tiny. It could be, yeah, yeah. Ooh, you know, like, ooh. you know what, you know what I do enjoy. Um, and, and I used to, I used to mix up injections in like Tupperware containers and crap like that. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and you can get them from like butchers and Cosmos and stuff. It's and what they actually are is like it's just a, um, just a shaker for like your your morning like protein drink or whatever like that. But they put their, I like those things. You know, they have like the Cosmos one that has. The, the grate in the top and stuff like that. And you dump your br- brisket injection in there, a little bit of water, you just shake it up and put it in the cooler and uh, you're on your way. Like we can get one of those things for 10 bucks and it saves you a lot of hassle with other things. So am I, I the only one, am I the only one that uses a blender? No, no, you're not. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know a very specific uh, red big trailer in the upper Midwest that has a blender in it at all times. Yeah. I mean, I just, I use those shakers forever and uh, I looked at Kim one day and I'm like, I'm going to buy a $40 blender and put it in here. Right. And I'm going to make, well, well, actually, you know what I saw the other day? My wife has one of those, um, they have them on TV. They're like for making smoothies and stuff like that. And you just, and they, they're like, you charge them with a phone charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was looking at that, and I'm like, well, that would fit good in a trailer. And you could just, like, mix it up with, like, maybe, I don't know, three-quarters of the amount of juice that you need and uh-huh. run it through there. I, that, I think that would be a that'd be a <laughs> neat little gadget there to turn turn the uh, hip thing into something hip and barbecue. I have a – I mean, I have a whole routine when I make my injections, and I make them that Friday morning uh, when I'm at a contest, and – yeah, I'll make them. I make them right there on site, and I'll do it at nine thirty in the morning on Friday. And I have this whole thing that I do in terms of like the order. I start with uh, chicken, and I put it in the blender, and then i I get my chef probes and chef alarms out. And then whenever I've got those out, I know it's done. I dump it, rinse it out, clean it, then I do my rib injection, and then I tear my foil. I have a whole 40 minutes that is dedicated to making injections and doing other small things that when I'm done, like I'm ready to go. You saw it's, You saw you, you, It's funny how we're all creatures of habit. Cause I do the same type of stuff. Um, <laughs> my, my, and I, in, in Minnesota we, with the backyard teams, I refer to it as the program. We, we do some, I do some back work with some backyard teams and like, know the program, work your program, the program, the program, the program. But mine always has to start by two o'clock in the afternoon. And I always mix my injections on like Wednesday night and I let them sit for a couple of days because I'm, I'm typically traveling on Thursday to get there Thursday night to stay overnight or whatever like that and wake up on Friday morning. And then I just go around and, you know, go to lunch with people and stuff like that. But my real process at the contest starts at like two o'clock on Friday afternoon. And I, I have to inject ribs at that point. And it's like, I inject ribs and then I get done injecting ribs. I, do this. I, you know, put a few things away and then I get out the pork and it seems like clockwork that at two o'clock, I start at two o'clock and I'm done at four o'clock all the time. It takes me two hours to do everything I need to do on a Friday. Huh. 
That's pretty cool. I knock mine out usually between three and four. Um, oh, do you? Okay. Yep, and I can, if I've got everything done and it's in the right place, I have it, I can be done in an hour. Um, but that is always constantly in flux, as you know, because things change and we always change what we're doing. So, <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Let's switch uh, gears a little bit and talk about people, because we all have influential people in our barbecue lives. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? In competition barbecue? Yeah. Got a few of them. Uh, number one, well, my wife, because she encouraged me to do this. Um, you know, she, she bought me my first cooker, which was a Traeger and stuff, and got me into, you know, she told me that we should enter the backyard contest in Oatana. We all entered the backyard contest in Oatana. And you should go do some more and stuff like that. And then it's just kind of evolved from there. Stuff. She would be number one. Um, number two uh, would be Joel Elbert, um, also from Oitana, Minnesota here. Uh, he was the one who kind of, he was the guy who I started, you know, work. He, he had a Traeger at the time and cooked some ribs together and that type of thing. And he, he's been a, and he comes with me to contests and now and then. And, and uh, he's been great help and stuff. Uh, as far as competitors, competitors. Um, obviously you know when you're in your geographic area you see guys all the time and stuff like that obviously jeff vanderlindy um he's like my barbecue big brother um he's never given me anything ever in my life um (laughs) except for a hard time um but he'll be the first one to congratulate me when we do well so that's been fun um and then uh i've got a very good relationship with uh um, other people, other guys in the area, especially uh, Justin McGlon and Darren Worth from uh, Iowa and stuff. Uh, I may have, you say that I stick to myself and stuff like that, or, or not too concerned about what other people are doing. At one point in Omaha, I may have been very concerned with what Justin McGlon was doing with his ribs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to say, hey, can I stand here while you do that for a bit? <laughs> yeah. And maybe take a few notes. <laughs> He's infuriating because he can't even eat it. And he's like, <laughs> I know. He's so good at it. <laughs> how can you be allergic to pork and win in pork and ribs as much as he does? I'll never know. I have I have no idea. And I have I should add one more person to that list too. Uh Tony Courthouse. Um uh used to former owner of Qtopia Barbecue Supply in Minnesota. Yeah. Um he since sold to uh Aaron, Aaron uh Bordage and Missy um Fisher um of Northern Fire. But uh Tony was a big um supporter of mine early on um when we you know when we we may not have had um built up you know what it takes to go week in and week out and stuff like that he was the first guy who ever gave me a wagyu brisket you know um and stuff and, and told me to use it you know and, and said I, th- I think you should try this and stuff i'm like oh that's expensive and stuff, that type of thing and no try First ones, it's like dealing crack, you know, the first one's on me, stuff like that. And then right. That, and, you know, but he, you know, he, he's been, he's been extremely influential in my barbecue career too. Very cool. Are those the same people that you call when you have a, an issue with barbecue? Like a oh, yeah. problem, problem with the meat? Yes. Yep. I could, uh, I could tell you a very, I'll, I mean, I'll share it with everybody and stuff like that. I, I had a very, uh, I had a very bad day once in 2016 at cooking barbecue 
so much so that I questioned everything that I was doing. So, and uh, I called uh, Jeff Vanderlindy and he told me to sit down, take me through the entire program and stuff like that. And this is, this is the honest God truth. I went through the entire program. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, let me process this for a little while and stuff like that. And I'll call you back. So I'm like, okay. So I go <laughs> Sunday afternoon, you know, I go out. I think I'm cooking dinner outside or something like that. I don't know what I was burning steaks for me and the wife or something, you know, having a beer. And all of a sudden the phone rings. It's Jeff on the phone. And I answer it says, yep. He goes, yeah, I thought about it. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, you just need to shut up and cook. Quit whining. You know how to do this. <laughs> right. And he hung up the phone and that was, that was the end of that. So I, that was kind of one of those knocks up the side of the head that just said quit whining. So, man, I can't tell you how timely that is. <laughs> I, I think I needed to hear that. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to take that, put it in my pocket. <laughs> put that in your pocket. Exactly. I'm going to. I'm going to. What the? You talked about a lot of great moments. What was the biggest turning point in your life as a pitmaster? Oh, um, I'm going to say summer or 2017. What well, the season of 2017? So we had. Uh, we cooked, we started cooking KCBS in 2012, and we'd experienced, I'm going to say, moderate success up to that point. Um, we had one grand championship. We didn't even know how we did it. Um, we got very lucky. Um, and ha- kept, and then for two years, we were like bridesmaid barbecue. So we had, and we just couldn't seem to get over the hump. And the one turning point was that we told me and Mary that year said, we're going to go out. We're going to have fun. We're going to quit worrying about every little thing. Are we going to pay attention to details? Yes, but we're going to have fun. And we decided that that's what this, what that's what this is. It's fun. Barbecue is fun. We have, we, there's shirts that say barbecue is fun on them, right? We're gonna have <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, and so I think that that was changing our mindset. So, going out and saying, we're going to have fun. And we got reminded of that too. And I'm going to tell everybody that barbecue is fun and you should be having fun. And we've talked about this early in the show and stuff. Uh, we, we got reminded of that in 2020, you know, we were going out and stuff and we were just going through the motions and, and 2020 was such a weird year and stuff, but, and we had to, we looked at each other at the end of that, that year. And we, we just said, we just need to rededicate ourselves to having fun again and that's what we did we rededicated ourselves to having fun and whenever me or mary catches ourselves not having fun we have to call each other out on it and be like hey you're not having fun get to having fun again so that's great man that's great i think a lot of people need to hear that we take this shit way too seriously (laughs) oh oh yes yes Um, i used to comb over score sheets I like score sheets still because I think that they're fun to look at and wonder what might have been in somebody's head that day, you know, but I, I, the score sheet doesn't go any farther anymore. I mean, right. Is it, is that true? So I'm not the only one, like I'll look at it cursorily. 
Like, I'll look at it and be like, that's funny. But then I'd never right. look at it again. Right. Oh, I've got piles of them here. And they just come home. You come home and you just throw them in, in the pile. And is it fun to take them out every now and then? Sometimes we do, you know, just to look at comment cards or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah. Would be like, hey, you know, last week we scored a 658 in the, for overall. In this, and look at that. This week we're uh, 698 in GC. How, what changed in a week? The table. That's about it. You can't <laughs> same six people. We can't. You can't reproduce where the same six people are every time. So, right. And I know. I mean, I think that's the number one thing. If I was doing my own podcast, that <laughs> that the number one thing that people could do to make themselves better competition barbecue is to be completely honest with yourself and know like. I don't need six judges to tell me that I screwed up my pork two weeks ago in Georgia. I knew it when the box went, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it's just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, that's not going to score, you know? Correct. I mean, you, 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 I typically know if I've got something and are you, are you surprised at times? Yes. But you know, I can probably hit it on the head 85 to 90% of the time. If right. something is going to call or not. And yeah, are there those those anomalies? Yeah, I mean, there's been times when I've looked at, you know, Mary or Joe when they're there with them, and creepers, creepers. What were they <laughs> right. chasing? I didn't chase that, you know. So that's, that's and, and, it's, got and it's typically <laughs> to the and it's typically to the. We thought that tasted bad. <laughs> oh, hey, tenth place ribs, I'll take it. <laughs> right, that shouldn't have got a call. That's come out of my mouth a lot of times. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I can't believe we're not getting a comment card on this. So <laughs> that's amazing. Do you are you a superstitious person? Do you have any habits or rituals or routines that you have to do during competitions? Yeah, um, we during turn in we we have our turn in semi scripted to music. Um, we start at right at uh, well you, you turn in chicken at twelve or whatever like that. So at eleven thirty we play couple of songs uh in the trailer that um you know get us kind of ready to go and stuff like that um then at chicken turn in you know we pull the chicken in at quarter at quarter to 12 and sauce it and, and prep you know get it all looking pretty and that type of thing and during that we started this probably four or five years ago we play queen under pressure <laughs> and when that starts the second that the chicken hits the table and and the funny thing is you get into a real rhythm and after under pressure gets done we're just about done with the whole thing and the phone just automatically goes into playing queen radio gaga then after that and there's about i don't know a minute into radio gaga mary better be leaving the trailer and going to turn in chicken and most of the time she gets back just by the end of radio gaga after turning it in um, but that, that's, that's one of the, I, I don't know that we do it any other way anymore. Um, as, as we have that scripted, it's just like, it just sets our, sets our entire pace. Some other stuff changes along the way, but that, that chicken turn in remains the same all the time. Yeah. We have, we have a set playlist for each meat. It's, um, yep. <laughs> and, and it's become part of our routine that if it's not on, like I forget shit and forget steps and it's like if I don't hear juicy by the notorious B I G, you know, 
we got, right. we, then there's something really wrong with what's going on in the trailer. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's funny, but it, it, it creates uh, just uh, subliminal cues for you. And right. Yeah. It's just, that's one thing that I, I would say as a, or, or to, if you're, if you're a team that's starting into whatever, and, and once again, I, I talk about consistency and, and, the, and your program and stuff like that continuously do and does it sound boring? Yes, but you know, do we make changes? Yes, and stuff like that. But but setting something up to to cue yourself because you never know when you may not be looking at the clock, or you forget to wrap your chicken at the right time. And right. you know, there, there's different cues that should happen throughout your day that keep you on track. So one of mine um, is the 10 a.m. lucky beer. Um, you know that is I have to have my ribs turned on the cooker by 9.55 so I can go to whoever's hosting the 10 a.m. Lucky Beer. And typically it's done with Darren Worth because it seems like that's what we do um, and stuff, But uh, or whoever else is there um, at the contest. And I have that 10 a.m. Lucky Beer. But you just crack it, you say good luck to everybody, then you go back, and then it's like, Right now, my clock has started. I've got two hours to get this done, so I better get everything done in the right order. And that's kind of where my cues start off, is at 10 a.m. Huh. That's, of course, alcohol-driven, which is amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is amazing. If you had to give advice to somebody that's young and new to competition barbecue, what advice would you give them? Uh, first of all, don't get too focused uh, don't get focused on what the other person's doing but at the same time focus on other people we go to barbecue because it's a social event right we, we generally yes. like to see I I generally like to see 99.9% of everybody that I see at barbecue right and stuff. I, I don't know that I've ever I've said this before I don't know if I've ever met an asshole at barbecue and stuff I I there, are there some people that I, I don't talk to as much or whatever like that? Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're still we're at barbecue. You know, it's still barbecue is a family thing, stuff like that. This whole barbecue competition thing is family. So go out, get to know people at barbecue if you, if you want to be starting out in this. But don't let what they're doing influence what you're going to be doing and stuff. Um, the other thing is, you know, it doesn't take and – and I might be the – prime example of that it doesn't take millions of dollars it, it takes some money to do this it doesn't take millions of dollars though you don't have to have the fanciest the shiniest thing in the world i mean everybody's seen my trailer <laughs> so, <laughs> stuff I, there's a reason why justin mcglan every time that trailer's for sale on facebook puts my name down in the comments so i have to look at it stuff. but yeah we we have you know it, it takes some money but but you can do it on a budget um, and you can do it well on a budget too. So, you know, don't, don't worry. Don't be worried about having the latest, greatest thing. Just be worried about what you know how to do. So, man, that's a great advice. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for being on here, but I can't let you leave without the rapid fire questions. Alrighty. Cause these are my favorite. And I didn't send these to you ahead of time because I feel like your answers are going to be amazing. So, oh no. Okay. You you ready to go? Yeah. All right. 
What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Judges' comment cards and uh, bat, poor, negative things about judging. Yeah, it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point. Yep, um, it's over. Get over it. Exactly. Do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Uh, yeah, post-competition uh, it has to, we, it's either two things. We, we're either, if we didn't eat pizza on Friday night, we're having pizza on Saturday night after contest, or it's Mexican food. Mexican food again, it always comes through. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'll tell you about a present I give somebody every year. So, um, there's a meat market over in, Nicollet, Minnesota, and it, it involves Jeff Vanderlindy again, but I give him a brown schwager every year. I don't know why. It's just that I know, I know he likes it, and I show up at, at one contest a year, and I bring him this brown schwager. He's like, I've been waiting for that. So it's a brown schwager. That's cool. I thought you were going to say hogline T-shirts, but you didn't. Uh, yours, is, yours is on the way. <laughs> Actually, Mary, Mary, we lost our, our screen printer in town, and so oh, no. Mary has it. Yeah, he retired, and so uh, we're, we're working on. She's got a new screen printer. Actually, a lady that's opened up right next door to work, her uh, real estate office, and so she's been working with her on getting some shirts made up. So yours is on the way, Luke. I guarantee it. Sweet. You'll hopefully have it by the royal. All right. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? That's a great question. I'd put it right on I-35, you know, busy interstate here in Minnesota. Yeah. Relax. Relax. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Relax. It'll all work out. I think that uh, that is some great advice for pretty much everybody right now. Um, world needs a timeout right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> It's been a rough few years, and it's just something new just comes up every day, it seems like. so. Well, Dusty, I want to thank you for being on here, man. This was awesome. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Once again, like I said, I feel honored to join a long list that you've uh, put together of uh, yeah. great pitmasters. Well, you're one of them, and this has been one of my favorite to record. Do you have any uh, sponsors or partners that you'd like to give a little love out to? And where can people find you online? Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I, just a couple of them. Uh, I cook on a on whitewater drum smokers. They're just a little um, outfit out of um, St. Charles, Minnesota. Um, I cook Compart Duroc pork and ribs. Uh, they're a little outfit, but well known in the uh, in the barbecue community out of uh, Nicollet, Minnesota, actually. Um, so I'm kind of based in Minnesota. Um, and also a uh, big shout out to Northern Fire Barbecue and Grilling, Aaron and Missy Bordage. Prior to that, Tony Courthouse of Qtopia Barbecue Supply. That store has opened my eyes to many a different new product in barbecue. And Aaron has it all up there and can take care of you with whatever you need. Yeah, and it's great to have those stores. And I... I hate to segue into into this right now, but you know, I, I think it's an important point that when you have a local store like that, it's important to go there and visit them and, and to promote them because they're 
promoting all of us in a way. And well, they are absolutely. And uh, you know, I just think that all of our barbecue supply stores are pretty awesome, and they all do a great job. So I'm glad that you right. brought oh, that yeah. up. Absolutely, but, yeah. You know, and not to knock the the the, the online guys because there's guys that live hundreds of miles away from a barbecue store, and so they buy have to buy online. But if you get the chance to go to your local barbecue store and pick up some stuff, man, the one thing that comes with that is you get sound advice from somebody else too. So, <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for being on here, and I can't wait till we see each other again. Awesome. We will see each other soon, hopefully this summer, man. I hope so. <laughs> cool. All right, Dustin. We'll talk to you. Thank you, buddy. Yep. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke TikTok as well. Old Virginia smoke, one word. That's all you have to search for. It's hilarious. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022.